0: Spiritual warfare is a reality, and God has given you a formidable set of spiritual armor for fighting the forces of evil. But what about marching orders? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah returns to Ephesians chapter 6 to reveal God's strategy to help believers conquer the enemy. From the series Spiritual Warfare, here's David to introduce today's message, Praying Always with All Prayer. How many of you know
1: that every soldier needs a good communication device, a radio, a satellite phone? Paul ends his discussion on the body armor of the Christian by saying, Praying always, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Praying always, all prayer, all perseverance for all the saints. In other words, our radio should always be on. The battery should always be charged. Our prayer lives should be strong, consistent, and sincere. We're going to learn about that today as we open our Bibles once again to Ephesians 6 and talk about praying always with all prayer. Friends, we are almost out of time to tell you about the resources of spiritual warfare that we have made available during the month of June. Let me go over them again. There's a study guide and a set of CDs that will take you through everything I've said on the air, plus more. The study guide is a wonderful tool for small groups or for Bible study uh, in church or just for personal study. It comes with all of the information about every chapter, condensed, outlined, questions to answer, scriptures to look up, applications to make, group studies, Every one of these lessons is prepared like that. So if you're going to teach something in a Bible study and you're looking for curriculum, why don't you try Spiritual Warfare? It will get the attention of everyone, and it's prepared just for you. Also, as I've mentioned to you, you can get a copy of the book, Answers to Questions about Spiritual Warfare, by simply sending a gift to Turning Point during the month of June and asking for your copy. There's also a prayer that we would like to send to you. It's called the Warrior's Prayer. It's been embossed upon a bookmark, and we'd love to send this bookmark to you. We're trying to send this to everybody. You don't have to do anything to get it except tell us how to get it to you, and we'll send it absolutely free, no expectations, no pledges, no promises, just a free bookmark, and I think you'll find it maybe one of the most important resources that we can make available during the month. Of June, So let's get started with this lesson called Praying Always with All Prayer. Here's part one. In the sixth chapter of Ephesians, Paul has instructed us that as soldiers of Jesus Christ were to put on the armor of the Lord that we might be able to stand against the wiles and the strategies of the enemy. Most people who teach that section of Scripture stop at the end of verse 17, and don't go on and finish the paragraph, but it's in the finishing of the paragraph, in my estimation, that we find the secret to being able to be a good soldier for Jesus Christ. For most of you know that the one necessity of every good soldier is to keep in constant touch with headquarters. If you study the wars of the Old Testament, for instance, you will discover that when Israel fought in her own strength, she was defeated. And when she cast herself upon God's mercy, victory was almost always experienced. For instance, do you remember when Abraham took his trained servants, numbering only 318 and conquered the coalition of kings that fought the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. You'll find that story in Genesis 14. Gideon's army was reduced from 32,000 to 300 and he delivered Israel from the Midianite slavery. Joshua led Israel to a mighty conquest over the city of Jericho by just walking around the city. (laughs) King Hezekiah captured the Assyrians and for all the victors who went before and after him, he wrote these words in 2 Chronicles 32 verse 8. With us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. So we should not be surprised when we have finished this militant passage in the New Testament to read a verse about prayer. I know that it's always frightening for a pastor to preach on prayer for a number of reasons first of all the pastor himself realizes he doesn't pray like he should and he's pretty sure that most of the people sitting in front of him don't pray like they should so we embark upon this time together where we're going to talk about something that we all together feel like we should do better and could do better but let's join together then in the quest not to look upon what we don't do, but to look upon what we can do by the grace of God. It's interesting, if you do not believe in the importance of prayer, to consider what Jesus is doing right now. The only thing you will find in the New Testament is that he's at the right hand of God interceding for us. In three years of active ministry, Jesus changed the moral landscape of the entire planet and for nearly 2,000 years since, he's been using another tactic. He's been using prayer. If the Lord Jesus figures it's important for him to pray and he has been interceding for us at the throne of God for 2,000 years, maybe we should stop and ask ourselves, are we missing something here? Is there something we ought to note that we're not catching? So I want to take you through this little verse, Ephesians 6.18. I want to unpack it for you, you won't believe how much is in one verse in the New Testament. First of all, notice as you begin reading the 18th verse of Ephesians 6, the persistence of the warrior's prayer. It says in verse 18, praying always. The first phrase says, praying always. Now if you'll look at verse 18, you will note that the word all occurs four times in that verse. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. In other words, this verse is talking about a comprehensive view of prayer. Luke 18, 1 says, Then he spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and not to faint or to give up man not always to pray. First Thessalonians five seventeen says, praying without ceasing. Now, whenever I've read those verses in the past, I've wondered what could that mean? Do we just walk around like a bunch of zombies mumbling mantras under our breath? Is that what it means to pray always? Or does it rather mean that we are in constant contact with God and we learn how to live our lives every day In momentary fellowship with him, one person has said, the receiver to heaven has to be left off the hook. (laughs) Don't ever hang up. (laughs) Leave it off the hook so you always have access to the Father. You are always available to God and he is always available to you. You never really have to say, if you live this way, Lord, we come into your presence. You hear people pray that. I've prayed that. Lord, we come into your presence. The bottom line is if you live... In an attitude of prayer, you were always in his presence and you never come into something that you were already there. You're already in his presence. Thomas Kelly put it this way, there is a way of ordering our mental life on more than one level at once. On one level, we may be thinking or discussing or seeing or calculating or meeting all the demands of the external affairs of our life. While deep within, behind the scenes, at a profounder level, we may also be in prayer and adoration and song and worship and a gentle receptiveness to divine breathings. If you've ever experienced that, even for a little bit, you know what he's talking about. He's talking about the fact that you can be standing in front of a group of people talking about something that's not even spiritual in nature and at the same time sense that you're in contact with the Lord, that on this deeper level in your life, there's a Fellowship with God that's guiding you through what you're doing. Someone has written that Satan will use every device to keep us from praying. He will cause physical fatigue and lethargy. He will unfit us mentally for prayer through the cares and the burdens of the home and the business. He will destroy our power and prayer through doubt and discouragement and depression. So when we feel least like praying, we need most to pray. Because Satan has already gotten a foothold in our lives if we do not. This is a reminder to us that prayer cannot be the product of our emotion. And here's where I think a lot of us get derailed. It cannot be what we do when we feel like doing it. Somebody said if you only pray when you feel like praying, you won't pray very much. (laughs) But it is something we protect always. We are always in the spirit of praying and able to communicate with the Lord. C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite writers, has a very interesting take on this whole idea. He says, I have a notion that what seems our worst prayers may really be, in God's eyes, our very best. Those, I mean, which are least supported by devotional feeling and contend with the greatest disinclination, for those, perhaps, being nearly (laughs) all… will come from a deeper level than feeling. What he's saying is if we only pray out of our feeling, maybe that isn't the best kind of prayer. Maybe the prayer we pray when we don't feel like praying is the prayer that God honors the most. And Richard Foster encourages us to intercede for others, even when our praying feels more like duty than delight. We must never wait, he said, until we feel like praying before we pray for others. Prayer is like any other work. We may not feel like working, but once we have been at it for a while, we begin to feel like working. We may not feel like practicing the piano, but once we play for a while, we like doing it. In the same way, he wrote, our prayer muscles need to be limbered up a bit, and once the blood flow of intercession begins, we will find that we feel like praying. So the first thing I think we need to note is that praying isn't just well, today I'm in a really devotional mood. I had a good experience in church yesterday. God has blessed me. So I feel like praying, so I think I'll pray. If your prayer life is like that, then you will be prayerless a lot. Reflecting on a conversation with a friend who was fatigued by a daily battle with alcohol, Philip Yancey wrote this. He said, I will always remember an alcoholic friend who expressed to me his frustration at praying daily for God to remove his desire for drink only to find each morning his thoughts turned to Jack Daniels whiskey. Was God even listening? Later it dawned on him that the desire for alcohol was the main reason that he prayed so diligently. Persistent temptation had compelled persistent prayer. The very things that trouble us in our lives, that drive us to our knees, that make us aware of our own inability to control our lives, those things which drive us to prayer, sometimes we wish they would go away, but then we'd have to wonder if those things went completely away. Would we sense our need for God as we do in the midst of the battle? So the real value of persistent prayer is not so much that we get what we want when we pray but that we become the person we should be when we pray. We get our eyes caught up in the object of the things we ask for and as we study the Bible and we learn about the prayers of the New Testament people, even in the prayer of our Lord, we discover that prayer changes things, that's true. But prayer also changes people and the people that usually get changed by prayer are the people who pray. (laughs) prayer changes me, prayer changes you. So notice, first of all, the persistence of prayer. Now notice the possibilities of it. Praying always with all prayer, all prayer. What does that mean? What does it mean to pray with all prayer? Well, first of all, it could mean we are to pray on all occasions. When Paul writes that our prayer is to be all prayer, he might mean, first of all, that we are to pray on all occasions, in prayer meetings, in prayer groups, in public worship, and in social occasions, praying in all times. Maybe he means we are to pray in all places. All prayer might mean in all places. He might mean that we are to pray in the prayer closet. We are to pray around the family table. We are to pray in Bible classes. We are to pray in our own personal devotional times. We are to pray on all occasions and in all places. He may also mean that we are to pray in prosperity and in adversity. On all occasions, in all places, at all times, we are to pray in prosperity and adversity. We are to pray in sickness and in health. We are to pray morning, noon, and night. There's never a time when we cannot pray. Remember, this is not about formal prayers as much as it is having an open relationship with the Lord where you can breathe a prayer to Him at any moment of time. We are to pray on all occasions, in all places, in prosperity and in adversity. And finally, we're to pray for all things. We are to pray for all things, for personal things and home things and business things and work things. All things should be covered by prayer. When the Bible says we're to always pray and we are to pray with all prayer, it means that in all kinds of prayer, in every situation, our whole life ought to be a prayer as we walk day by day with God. Literally, it ought to be possible for us at any moment to be in touch with God. You ever find yourself breathing a prayer to God? Lord, show me what to do. I don't know what to do. Lord, help me understand this moment in my life. It's sort of like Peter when he was beginning to drown on the lake after he tried to walk to the Lord. I would imagine that Peter was very delighted that he was in good praying condition when he started to drown because he didn't have time to do much except cry out, Lord help. One of the great books on prayer was written by a Norwegian minister a devotional writer, his name was Oli Hallisby. He wrote during the 20th century, he wrote a little book on prayer that has become a classic. It's simply called Prayer. And he has an entire chapter in this book in which he encourages us that as we learn to rely on the Spirit, prayer will become the great centralizing and unifying factor in our distracted and busy lives. He said that in everything that we experience during the day our minds and hearts will quietly and naturally be drawn to god a longing to talk with god about everything else will arise everything we see and hear in connection with our loved ones our friends our enemies the converted or the unconverted temporal or spiritual affairs small things and great the hard and the easy all the observations and experiences which fill and shape our daily lives, will naturally and readily begin to take the form of prayer. He went on to say, intimate friends tell each other of their experiences as soon as possible. So it is in prayer. The spirit of prayer makes us so intimate with God that we scarcely pass through an experience before we speak to him about it either in supplication, in sighing, and pouring out our woes before Him in fervent requests, or in thanksgiving and adoration. If it is difficult for you to pray, and this is all like a foreign language to you, and you're a Christian, just then offer this little prayer. Lord, teach me to pray. (laughs) There's nothing that He, the Spirit of prayer, would rather do. Isn't it interesting that the disciples never went to the Lord Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to preach. Lord, teach us to administer. Lord, teach us to heal. But they did say, Lord, teach us to pray. And I take great comfort for that because I recognize that prayer is perhaps the last discipline that we as Christians get our arms around. It should be the first, but sometimes it's the last. And oh, the lives we could live if we could get our arms around this truth. So we've looked at the persistence of it, praying always with all prayer, and the possibility of it. Notice the petition of it. And it says, and supplication, praying always with all prayer and supplication. Now the word supplication simply means to ask. It means to ask God for what you need. Surely we come with worship and thanksgiving and gratitude, but we also must come asking. Over in Matthew chapter seven and verses seven and it, it says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For whatever you ask, it says, you will get if you ask it in the name of the Lord. And James chapter four, verse two, gives us the reverse of that equation. He says, you do not have because you do not ask. I remember when I was studying Matthew chapter seven, that I read this illustration, and I'll never have forgotten this because it reminds us of the power of asking. It's a story about a couple that went to heaven, and when they got to heaven, they were ushered into a vestibule, and when they walked into this vestibule, the walls were surrounded with file cabinets. Everywhere you looked, file cabinets piled on top of each other. And so, one of the new entrants into heaven said, what are all these file cabinets? And St. Peter said, well, There's a file drawer in here that has your name on it. Oh, they said, that couldn't be possible. Oh, yes, said Peter. There's a drawer here with your names on it. And they said, well, what's in the drawer? And Peter said, in the drawer are all the things God wanted to give you that you never asked for. (laughs) Boy, I'll tell you what, that gets your attention in a hurry, doesn't it? It's been my experience as a pastor that people will come often and ask me if I will pray for them, and I'm always happy to do so. But on occasion, I ask them, have you asked the Lord about this? And they kind of look at me with a blank stare. And the thought is, I'm happy to pray for you, but why don't you just go straight to the top? Why don't you just bypass all the middle people and go right to the top and ask the Lord? The Bible says if we ask He will hear us. And so, if we do not ask, God will not hear us. Here's a way to think about that. God could do anything he wished, but he has hardwired this world to work through prayer. Like it or not, that's the way it is. God has said, through prayer, I will administrate my kingdom. So if we do not pray, we have no reason to be upset that God is not working in us as we wish he would. For if you go back through the scripture, you will discover that God will bless Elijah and send rain on Israel, but Elijah had to pray for it. If the chosen nation is to prosper, Samuel has to plea for it. If the Jews are to be delivered, Daniel has to intercede for them. God will bless Paul, and the nations will be converted through him. But Paul must pray, and pray he did, without ceasing. And his letters show that Paul expected nothing except by asking for it. When the Bible tells us that we're to pray always, in all prayer and supplication, it means that the things we have need of, we're to ask God for. That is why we have prayer lists You know, I don't know that there's ever been a time when there have been more needs. We have many needs. Can I get a witness? Is that true? And folks, I do not mean by any intention of mine at all to diminish the importance of those needs or to trivialize them. But I just want to ask you, have you talked to God about it? You say, well, pastor, come on, get serious. Of course, no, 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 I really mean, have you seriously gone to God specifically and said to him, Father, these are the needs we have. We bring them before you. We ask you in Jesus' name to hear our prayer. Have you ever done that? You know what happens when we have a problem? We get on the phone and call our friends. (laughs) We go to our Bible study and we unload it on the Bible study. Sometimes we write a letter to the pastor or to a radio minister or someone That we think might be able to get through to us i want to tell you something billy graham does not stand in a better position before god than you do you have instant access to him he cares about you deeply when you come before him he hears you at the same way and level he hears anyone because you are not there in your own standing you're there in the standing of jesus christ when you go in the name of jesus he hears your prayer all supplication oh amen We have one more uh, day to talk about this very important part of warfare, praying. Maybe the most important part of warfare, you hear so many stories about people going to war on their knees, praying on their knees. We need to reinsert that into our spiritual battle plan because I think it's gotten lost along the way. More about that tomorrow. Uh, friends, if you're not getting our magazine, could I just encourage you to take advantage of this notice that you can get this magazine sent to your home absolutely free. All you have to do is ask for it. Uh, When you get in touch with us, just say, please send me the magazine. I'd like to get that every month, and you'll be blessed. It's a real tool. It coordinates what we do on the radio. There's a devotional column for every day of the week, Monday through Friday, another one for each weekend, and then the magazine's chock full of articles and encouragement, um, how to read through the Bible in a year, all, all of the things that you really want in a Bible help magazine. So we want to send it to you. We'll do it if you ask for it. You can ask for it. You know all the ways, through the mail, over the phone, through the Internet, some way. Get word to us, and we'll send that magazine to you. It will help you as you walk with the Lord, I promise. See you tomorrow.
0: more information on Dr. Jeremiah's current teaching series, Spiritual Warfare, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio, or call us at 800-946-4300. When you do, ask for your copy of David's timely book, Answers to Questions About Spiritual Warfare. It's filled with strategies for fighting the forces of evil, and it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet, or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to access our programs and resources. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.org. radio This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we conclude the series Spiritual Warfare here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah.
1: We hear the words fool and foolish often enough that it's easy to lose sight of their true meaning. A verse in the book of Proverbs makes it clear, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. In other words, a fool is a person who refuses to heed the moral advice of those who are wiser. A fool does what he wants in spite of the pain it causes him and others. From the Bible's perspective, The fool is a person who refuses to listen to God's counsel or warnings. But the wise person is the one who submits his reasoning to God. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's counsel on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life.